All right, I'm going to walk this over here. Now, if any of you had reservations for 1115, you're going to make them. But um, just a couple of uh, quick announcements before we get into the message today. Um, as I said, Pastor isn't here yet. He'll be back on Wednesday. Um, Wednesday, church is at 630. I made the mistake last week of telling everybody that it was 730, but you guys caught on that it's at 630. Um, and so if you'll be here on Wednesday at 630, we'll have a a message, and, and Pastor will obviously be back, and he's excited to preach to you guys. And there is a um, teen class now um, that I will be teaching, and you know there's a curriculum, so you don't have to worry about it just being whatever is spewing out of my mouth. Um, no, but we're excited uh, to have something for the teenagers. So if you know somebody who would like to be in the class or somebody who would like to uh, participate and join, um, it'll be a great time. And I'm really excited about it. Pastor's excited about it. Pastor's excited to be back and preaching with you guys. I know he is. Um, but um, that's all I have for announcements at the moment, and we'll get into our message today. So we are going to be in the book of 1 Corinthians, and we're going to be in chapter 15. 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. As I said, I don't have a ton for you guys today, but I do have a message that I believe God would have each and every one of us to hear. Um, a little bit about me, where I'm from. I'm from uh, Massachusetts. That's where I grew up. So if you ever sense a high volume of sarcasm or maybe a joke that isn't funny, that you, th- you know, that I thought was hilarious, um, that's the Massachusetts in me, and we're full of it. We are very... Um, Massachusetts are, are very quick to uh, state their opinion, they're very quick to um, tell you to hurry up in line at Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts or wherever you're getting coffee in the morning. Um, and we're very unapologetic about it. So with my time in California, I've learned to adjust to you know, slowing things down a little bit. And you guys are still very fast, so that's good. But you guys are nicer about being fast. People from Massachusetts were not. Anyways, that's where I'm from. When I was um, six years old, I uh, began, well, five. Um, I started going to church. My testimony... Um, comes a lot in part to my father, and I'd like to share this because it is Father's Day, so happy Father's Day to each and every one of you. We can give a a little round of applause to all of our fathers out there because they never receive the recognition they deserve. It's hard to be a dad. Um, Happy Father's Day to each and every one of um, them out there. But let me share this little uh, piece of testimony about my father. Um, When I was very small growing up, I felt as though... um, there was a lot of arguing in our household, in my parents' household. We weren't a Christian uh, family. We weren't second or third generation Christians. We didn't grow up in the church. My, my dad didn't grow up in the church. Uh, he believes he was saved at a younger age and that um, he just got lost along the way. He was never brought back to church. It was just kind of one of those, he accepted Christ as a Savior and he, he, he never went back. And uh, he tells the story to me as this, as he, uh, you know, you know, life was getting tough, things were hard, and he made this conscious decision in his mind. He was sitting there one day, and he worked at Lowe's at the time, I, I believe, and he, he said to himself, he's, he said, that's it. He said, I don't believe. There is no God. He says, he says, I said that in my head. He says, I, you know, really put it out there. He says, that's it. He was making the conscious decision to not believe in God. And at the same time, 
he says, as that happened, the phone rang. You know, one of those mysterious phone phones ringing. And my dad walks over to the phone, and uh, it's his cousin who lives in, in Tennessee. And he hadn't heard from her in, like, forever. And he's like, well, why is she calling me? She says, you know, Tommy, I don't know why I felt this. But she's like, I just felt for some reason that, you know, God was telling me to call you and that he wants you to find a church. So my dad's freaking out now, and he's looking up. He said, I'm sorry, God, you know. And so he's like, oh, uh, okay, you know, odd enough that he said that. He puts the phone down, and he went to go work his shift at Lowe's. And one of his best friends there, his name was uh, Justin. And I remember Justin as this crazy. We all have that one family friend or that one friend that we're like, their frontal lobe may not have fully developed because their decision-making is sometimes questionable, you know, like, They'll do things that you're like, I would never in a million years do that. You know, the type of person's like, I can make that jump, you know, something like that. He was a great guy, crazy guy. But he went up to, um, he went up to my dad that night. He says, you know, Tom, I don't, he's like, I don't know why, I don't know why, but it's really on my heart today, man. He's like, my, my wife's father is a pastor over at Heritage Baptist Church and I want to invite you to church. And so now my dad's really freaking out. He's like, he's like, I'll be there, I'll be there. And he didn't bring us because our family wasn't, you know, uh, a Christian-supporting church, and, you know, our family was having some issues at the time. And, um, you know, my dad went to church. And the way that my mom describes it is, is it was like he was, like, possessed, you know? Like, he came home, and my mom was literally like, I don't know who this guy is. Like, this is a totally different... My dad came home. After that, you know, church service, he was excited about God. He was repentant. He was in his Bible. He wanted to learn everything about God. And, um, you know, my dad, from that point on, he, he, he dragged us to church. I didn't, you know, I didn't wear a collared shirt to church. I didn't wear a, you know, T-shirt or whatever. But here my dad is, you know, dressing me up. Because he doesn't know, we didn't know about church. And, you know, at that particular church, you know, they would wear, like, a collared shirt or something like that. And I was like, I don't want to wear a collared shirt. My dad's like, you're going to wear it. And I was like, why? He's like, I don't know, you know. <laughs> and so me as a little five-year-old, I started going to church. I went to the Awana program that we just finished up here. It's a great program for, uh, you know, kids to learn the gospel and to learn about it. And we would have these little, we'd have these little lessons where um, I remember some of them, but there, there would be these little skits, and you would take part in them. And I remember being so much fun. As an adult, it's fun because you still get to, like, you get to be the one that's, like, making the kids do this stuff. It's amazing. And um, I remember as a, as a six-year-old, I, I went home, and uh, we didn't have, like, regular door frames in my house. We had, like, these, like, arches, these arch door frames. And I remember I was lying in bed, and I couldn't sleep at all. And I heard this, there's this little ticking clock that was always in my closet for some reason. And, but it's like a noise that was always there no matter what. It was this constant, you know, ticking noise. And I was just lying in bed. I don't know why I was thinking this at a six-year-old, but I was like, you know, I was thinking it was like a clock. And I was like, what if my time's running out, you know? Like, I won't. And I literally, as a six-year-old, I'm thinking to myself, if I died right now, like, I would go to hell. You know, I haven't had my sins forgiven. I haven't accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And the one thing that scared me as much as dying and going to hell at that moment was walking downstairs when I knew I was supposed to be in bed and bothering my dad with something, you know, because it was bedtime. So I was I was terrified. So I remember, and I had this cool little car bed. You know, there's a mattress inside, and it had these wheels. It was the coolest coolest bed you've ever seen. If they sold it in my size now, I'd still probably have one. So I remember walking down the stairs. I was, you know, terrified. I was scared. You know, I was shaking. 
because I was like, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. I need to get saved. I don't want to go to hell. And I got to the bottom. My dad's sitting on this, this big old comfy couch that we had, and he's sitting there, and I'm standing in the door frame, and I'm like, kind of like holding the door frame because I'm, you know, I don't want my dad to get mad that I'm out of bed. And he's like, uh, what is it, buddy? And I was like, you know, I'm like choking back, you know, my breath, and I'm like, I was like, I need to get saved. And my dad looks at me, he's like, oh, uh, okay. So, so he gets up and he brings me upstairs. And I remember sitting across from my dad and I was sitting crisscross applesauce. Um, you know, people say, oh, do you remember the day, the Monday? I don't remember if it was a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Could have been a made-up day. I don't remember what day it was, but I remember it happened. And I remember that I was sitting across from my dad and I bowed my head and I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior and he took my sins away. And my parents described me as having been you know, this little evil demon running around the house. Before then, they're like, we don't know what happened. I'm like, I know what happened. You know, like, I got saved. And I was yelling at my teachers that they needed to get saved at school too. And <laughs> my parents are like, you know, they went to a parent-teacher conference and they're like, well, he's right. You know, you do need to get saved. So, but anyways, I owe a lot to my father. And so, um, happy Father's Day to all you fathers out there. And if it weren't for my dad, you know, uh, biting his bride back and going to church and getting right with God, then, you know, I might not be here today. So, anyways, try not to get emotional. But First Corinthians 15, uh, we're in the fullness of the gospel. Um, that's kind of what, you know, First Corinthians 15 is about. When we share the gospel with somebody, we often think of John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We'll go through the Romans road and we'll share Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans 5.8, 10.13. And we kind of just gun them down in each order as we're sharing the gospel with somebody. But if you'd like to go through the fullness of the gospel, and Paul really, really breaks it all out here, um, 1 Corinthians 15 is the spot. So, um, if you'd like to read with me, we're going to be reading um, a few verses here. Moreover, brethren... I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, and after that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, then all of the apostles, and last of all he was seen of me, this is Paul speaking, also as one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, that am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so ye believed. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, 
How say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain? And your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. In this life only we have hope in Christ. We are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For sin... By man came death. By man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you get me out of the way as I share this message. Lord, please uh, convey the thoughts which you've given me to the church from your word. And uh, Lord, I just, I just pray uh, that you would allow me to be filled with your spirit. As um, as we listen, help our uh, attention to be there, Lord. Help our listening to be there, and uh, help me to convey your word properly, Lord. In your name, we pray. Amen. Now, to get started on Christmas morning, I would always wake up. I was the most excited kid you've ever seen for Christmas morning. I do not take second place on excitement for Christmas. I would wake up at the crack of dawn, 5 a.m. No, okay, maybe like six. My parents would have to set a time where uh, I couldn't get out of bed until. So I had like a little alarm clock, and I would sit there because I was so excited on Christmas. Sometimes I would wake up at like 5, you know, and, and as a, I mean, I guess that's normal for kids who are excited for stuff, but I was watching, and I would watch, and I would, and my, looking back, my parents must have stayed up so late, you know, get, gotten four hours of sleep, went to bed at 1, and here I am at 6 o'clock, dive bombing onto them on the bed, waking up, it's Christmas! Santa came! You guys got me gifts. And I would, I would run downstairs, and I would go, and I would look at all of the gifts that my parents had gotten me. I was a spoiled kid on Christmas. Let me tell you. I was a very spoiled brat on Christmas. No. On Christmas, my parents brought their A game, you know. We might not always have been doing well financially, but as a kid on Christmas, that's another thing I love about my, my dad. He would always work so that we had stuff. And I was like... You know, looking looking back, I am so grateful for the dad that I have. Happy Father's Day once again to all of you out there. But I would, I would, you know, and looking at all these gifts, I didn't deserve them, right? I wasn't some outstanding, you know, kid. I wasn't a little Einstein that was the smartest kid that ever existed. I wasn't even the best kid. You know, I would disobey. I would lie sometimes. I would, you know, I would get grounded occasionally. You know what? I didn't deserve those gifts. My parents got them for me because they loved me. They wanted me to have something, a gift, something that was given to me, something that I didn't, I shouldn't have expected. Now, this is kind of like the gift of Christ, and we're going to get there in a moment. My birthday is three days after Christmas, and usually my parents would get me, you know, another gift because they didn't want me to think that they were just taking a gift from the Christmas tree and giving it to me on Christmas. And so this was me, you know, up until my 20s, and I was kind of like, you know what, Birthdays aren't a big deal. And I, I, didn't, I, I didn't really ever expect anything you know, big on my birthday. 
And let me tell you, one of my birthdays, I was the most excited human being you've ever met, ever. And that was my 24th birthday, which was this past year. And I wasn't expecting anything. I didn't really think I deserved I wasn't, you know, I'm not under my parents' roof anymore. I'm, I wasn't home. You know, I was just coming and I was just visiting. And, I, you know, I was expecting that being home was kind of my gift, you know. And my dad came up and he gave me a gift in this little box. And um, I opened it up. And it was the best gift that I think I've ever gotten for Christmas. Now, it's not the most expensive gift I've ever gotten. It's not the, you know, prettiest. I think it's the prettiest gift I've ever gotten. But it is the greatest gift I've ever gotten. And you guys are probably confused because you're looking at it right now. And you're wondering, what is that? And why is he excited over cups? I'll get to that in a moment. Now, the mess, or the title of the message today is you have received, I feel like pastor getting into the actual, you know, like part of the message, like 15 minutes in. Wow. That's how he does it. So we're going to be talking about today, the title of the message is you have received. We're going to be talking a little bit about the gift that you've received and what you need to do with it. Now, first off, first point is you have received the gospel. And that's what we're reading in the 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 8. Um, Paul says, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you, which also ye have received. Now, a lot of times we hear about the gospel, the gospel this, the gospel that. What is the gospel? The gospel of Christ, that word gospel literally means the good news, right? The good news. Gospel means good news. When you look at the Old Testament, when we look at the New Testament, how the Old Testament is broken into the New Testament, the word testament means covenant, a promise. So when you're reading the Bible and you're looking at Old Testament, New Testament, you're looking at the old promise. And then when we get to the New Testament, we're looking at the new promise. Well, what's the new promise? The gospel, the good news found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are all the accounts of Christ and what he did for you. We'd recommend you read it. If you have not, it's a great read and you get to learn about the life of Christ. You get to learn about what he did for you, his perfection, proving that he was God, showing that he was God, telling people that he was going to die for us as our replacement for our sin. Now, first off, you have received the gospel. Paul says, in which ye received, wherein ye stand. So first off, something I want you to understand about the gospel is that the gospel of Christ will, will center you and allow you to stand. By which ye also are saved. So, if you're here today, perhaps you don't know what the gospel is. Perhaps you don't know the good news of Christ. Well, the good news of Christ, luckily we read through it in 1 Corinthians 15. It's that God sent his son Jesus, that Jesus died, that he was buried. Three days later, that he rose again, and that he is living now, preparing a place for you in heaven. You see, we are in a state of sin. We are fallen as mankind, for since by man came death, or uh, let me see the verse here. For as in Adam all die, and this is in verse 22, it says, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So we are all in Adam. So if you look at the very beginning of Genesis, Adam and Eve, the first sin is what we find. They're in the garden. They disobey God. They eat of the forbidden fruit that they're not supposed to. And so sin falls onto all of mankind. Because of sin, the Bible says that there is a punishment. And that punishment is a place called hell. We find this in Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, is that for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
So that's something that we need to understand. And because you know, and we can turn to Romans three twenty three really quick. It's always or Romans six twenty three. It's always good to look at our scriptures and to understand that it's not me saying this; it's what's God saying. The Bible says, "For the wages of sin," and that word "wages" is what we earn. You know, at your job, you earn a wage. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. There's that word "gift," something you've received, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So you are in a spot where you have received a gift. There's a gift that God has given to you. What is that gift? Christ, the Son of God. God himself, 100% man, 100% God, living a perfect and sinless life. And how the Bible says the wages of our sin is death. The price of our sin is a penalty that we ourselves cannot pay. Christ paid that for us with his death on the cross because he did not deserve it he was perfect he's god who took sin upon himself died was buried and three days later rose again proving again that he was god and his love for you and the bible says he goes to prepare a place for you so jesus is not dead and that's something that's different about a lot of these other religions all their followers muhammad he's dead buddha gone but who's alive still today christ makes us different he's alive He's in heaven today and he's coming back. And that's what this is talking about in 1 Corinthians, the resurrection of the dead, the coming again of Christ. There's people in Corinth that didn't believe that the dead would rise again as they were preaching. So they had to come and Paul was basically saying, if there's no such thing as resurrection from the dead, then Christ must still be dead. And if Christ is dead, then our faith is in vain. And if our faith is in vain, then we're a bunch of blasphemers talking about Christ. And if that's true, then all the people that died in Christ aren't in heaven because they've been liars. So you see, when we talk about the gospel, when we understand the gospel, you have to take it wholeheartedly. You can't say, well, I believe part of the Bible. Because if one part of the Bible is not true, then the rest of it doesn't have to be true. So when we're looking at the Bible and we're looking about salvation, you have to understand that Christ died for your sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again. Don't give a half-hearted gospel and just say Jesus died because if Jesus has died, there's nothing special about dying, right? We're all going to die. We all die. It's the fact that he rose again and he's preparing a place for you. So there's a gift. The Bible says that we have to take it. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Call upon Christ. Accept that gift. If you leave an unopened gift under the Christmas tree, First off, people would look at you weird because they're like, it has your name on it. Why don't you open it? You wouldn't say, eh, no, I'm okay. I'll do it tomorrow. Nobody would do that. You've been given the greatest gift of all time. Christ dying for your sins. Would you accept it today if you have not? If you do not understand the gospel, please talk to somebody about it. If there's any question in your mind, if you say, well, I'm, I'm, not 50, well, I'm, I'm like 80% sure I'm saved, I wouldn't risk hell on 80%. I wouldn't risk hell on 99%. You can be 100% sure and the Bible shows you how. If you have any questions about that, please talk to me. Please talk to another member of this church. But the gospel of Christ will center you and allow you to stand in a world that does not make any sense. There's a story of a man who was, you know, he was moving to a new area and there was a lot of earthquakes and monsoons in that area and he moves there and uh, i don't know exactly where this was but it's a true story he began to build his own house and um back when you could afford to build your own house and 
he built his own house. He had these blueprints, right? He had them all marked out. And, um, you know, brick by brick and two by four by two by four and screw by screw, he built this house. He built it to be strong. And so when this earthquake or this monsoon, I don't remember exactly which one it was, it came by and it destroyed every house in the area. The whole neighborhood was wiped out. And then there was one house that was left standing. And the interviewers came. They came and they interviewed the man. They're like, they're like, how did your house stand? You must feel so lucky. He's like, well, no, it wasn't luck. He's like, when I built the house, I built it to withstand this weather. He says, when the blueprints called for this, when I called for a 2x4, I used a 2x4. When I called for this type of screw, I used this type of screw. When I called for this bracket, I used this bracket. When I called for this foundation, I used this foundation. He says, it didn't matter how much it cost. He's like, I built it the way it was meant to build. There were no shortcuts. And what we need to understand about the gospel is there's no shortcuts to the gospel. It's already simple enough as is, really. And it's already... In the Bible, God gives us, you know, these blueprints for a structured life, for a happy life that can withstand anything that life is throwing at us. And he gave us everything we needed. He gave us the blueprints to a happy family, a wonderful life full of joy. He gave us the blueprint to have our sins forgiven and for us to go to heaven. We received it in the book, and we hold it in our hands today, and all you have to do is read it. Man, if you read through the book of John and you read through the book of Acts and Romans, you'll understand the gospel. You'll understand exactly what it is that you need to have to get saved and what you don't need. For by grace are you saved, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Now, one of the greatest tools that I think that we have today is the GPS. You know, you can tell me anything, but if I had to get rid of all the apps on my phone, you know, aside from, like, texting, like, I would have to have a GPS because I am no good as a directional whatever. Pastor, you know, was telling me how to get to a hardware store one time. I was helping out. I think it was during Christmas time. I was helping out put up stuff. He's like, all right, you need to go to Ace Hardware or wherever the hardware store is. He's like, you need to go take a left down this road. After the third stoplight, you need to take a right. You need to follow it for a quarter mile. You're going to see a fire hydrant. It's red, but the paint is scratched on the right side. If you if it looks newly painted, that's the wrong one. You got to keep going, you know. And he's telling me all these directions, and I'm looking at him. I'm right over my head, right over my head. And what did I do? As soon as I got into the car, I pulled out my phone, typed in Ace Hardware, and gave me directions. God gave us the directions to get to where we need to go. He gave us the blueprint. I know that I'm sounding repetitive right now, but guys, we have it right here. Open it up. Read it. It's what we need. God gave us the good news, the gospel. And if you aren't saved here today, what are you doing? If you know someone who's not saved here today, how are you better making yourself a Christian so that you can share Christ to others? You know? So, here's uh, one other thing that I like to share with others. If you think of a coin flip, right? So, when you flip a coin, there's either two sides, there's heads, or there's tails. And you can flip a coin and get a heads one time, and you wouldn't be surprised. You could flip it a second time, you still wouldn't be surprised if you got heads again. But a third time, a fourth time, a fifth time, each time heads, you'd start to wonder, it's going to be tails soon. Tails has to come eventually. Now, the same odds aren't that with our life, but 
We're not promised a tomorrow. We are not promised a next week. Your relatives, your co-workers, anybody that you care about, your closest friends, they are not promised tomorrow. There's a chance that today might be the last time you see them. Have you done everything that you can to share the gospel with them? Have you shared the gospel with them? Do they know you're a Christian? Have you even opened the door? Or cracked a window open at least? You see, there's people who are dying and need to hear this gospel that we have received. If you're here today, how many coin flips do you have left? How many days do you have on this planet? We're not sure. Driving on my motorcycle here. I was pretty sure today was my last day. Uh, Have you trusted Christ? Is today the day that you need to trust Christ? First, you've received the gospel. Second, you've received grace. And if you look at, um, in 1 Corinthians 15, if you'll look at verse 8 with me, it says, And last of all, he was seen of me also as of one born out of due times. For I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. So Paul's kind of owning up to some of the stuff that he did right here. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. How powerful is that? And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so ye believed. One of the most exciting things to know is that you have received grace. We say, well, what is grace? A good way to look at it, or you know, one of the many definitions that I like, is God's riches at Christ's expense. God giving you, you something that you don't deserve. If you're like me, you have screwed up more times than you can count. Man, if every sin against God that I had, well, it is all recorded, but when he brings it out, you know, and luckily he's not going to be looking at that anymore, but I mean, that list is going to go high. I mean, I'd be sitting in a trial for decades at this point with how many times I've screwed up. And I'm sure some of you might feel the same way. And I want you to know that God continues to give us his grace and his love. And how amazing is that? For some reason, I can't explain it other than grace, that God still allows us to serve him. How great is it that God gives us time and time again to serve him? And it's all because of Christ and what Christ did for you. You know, you might fool me. You might fool pastor. You might fool your significant other. You might fool all the other people in your life. But some of you might struggle with something like self-worth. You might say, how could God use someone like me? Why would God want to use someone like me? You know, I spent a lot of time, um, or I used to, with, with kids and teenagers. And it's one of the hardest things to deal with is yourself as a teenager and just feeling like you're enough. And, I mean, I don't, you know, I thought that was going to go away a lot faster as a, you know, an adult, but it doesn't. You know, we all deal with, you know, our struggle with self-worth. What do we bring to the table? Do we bring enough to the table? Are we okay We're as is? It's normal to feel down, to feel like you failed too much, to feel like God doesn't want to hear from you. But just because something is normal 
does not mean that's the way that it should be. God wants to hear from you. He desires a relationship with you. How amazing, you know, because people in my life, I mean, uh, you know, I'm like three strikes and you're out, man. No, okay, I'm not like that. But, but you know what I mean? Like, people who are in your life who continually screw up around you, you eventually, you don't want to be around them as much. You don't want to spend time with them. You're like, man, this guy is nothing but annoying. You know, this guy does nothing but lie. This girl, you know, does nothing but, you know, annoy me when I'm around her. But God's not that way. God takes us as we are, and he loves us as we are, and he always wants us to be near to him. How great is that? I can't think of anybody that wants that in my life. I mean, I got somebody's nerve. They're like, hey, come bother me in another 15 minutes, you know, or something like that. But God's grace is so much more than we can. I mean, Paul, I believe he struggled, you know, with his past. Because if you're looking at him, he says, he says, for I am the least of the apostles, that I'm not meet to be called an apostle. Because I persecuted the church of God. I mean, Paul was out there killing Christians. Paul was out there, you know, doing terrible things, persecuting the Christians. Of course he struggled with the self-worth. I'd be thinking this, I'd be thinking, how could God use someone like me? He's saying here, I'm the least of the apostles. When we think of Paul, we don't think of him as the least of apostles. We think of him as the greatest missionary that's ever lived, as somebody who goes out and shares the gospel with each and every person. We get excited reading about everything that he's done and, you know, how he survived and how he took all the stonings and the beatings and the shipwreck and he just kept moving on for God. And we look at this man and we're like, this is the greatest Christian that's ever lived. I want to be like that guy. And here Paul is looking in the mirror and he's saying, I am the least of all the apostles. That's a humbling thought. It's not too late, parent, teenager. I don't really see any small children here. To give what you have to God because there's enough grace for you. Don't let grace be in vain like Paul says. God has given you love, grace, mercy. Don't waste it. Move forward for God. Hey, you didn't live right yesterday. Why does that have to dictate the rest of your week and your month and your year and the rest of your life? Why are we falling out of church? Because, you know, we, we fell this in one time. Get it right. Get it right with who you need to. Get it right with God. Move forward, right? We're all in this together. God loves you. And he loved you enough to die for you even throughout all of your sin. Think about that. God knows who you are. He knows who you're going to be. He knows who you've been. He knows all of those small things that nobody else knows about you. And yet he still chooses to love you and he still chose to die for your sins. Well, my sins are too great. No, they're not. I can assure you, if my sins weren't too great, yours aren't. God loves each and every one of you. And Christ died not just for some of your sins. He died for all of them. It's the gift of God. You say, well, I don't deserve it. You're right. That's what a gift is. It's undeserved. You look at these cups. It's undeserved. You know, And it's something I struggle with is I don't reach out to my parents as much as I should. You know, I text them here and there, but I, I got to call more, right? You know, but I'm not always out of touch. I get busy with work, and that's not an excuse. But I came home. I was enjoying time and fellowship with my family. And I don't think you guys understand. I'm a nerd. Like, when I was a kid, my parents bought me this magic set. And it's all I played with for, like, months. I'm obsessed with magic tricks and the illusions and finding out how they work. And all you guys know, some of the, ma- like, have you ever seen, like, a street magician or somebody do, like, a cool magic trick with a card? You know, those tricks you can buy. 
you know, but some of them are like 50 or or $100. And let me tell you, as soon as you buy them, you're disappointed because you'll think that it's got to be the coolest, you know. Oh, the fire shot out of his wallet and this happened and the dollar exploded into a million pieces. And you go and you buy the trick and it's like, you know, like a cheap little trick in the back of your mind. But one of the oldest tricks in magic is something called cups of... I'm not going to do a magic show for you guys right now. Don't worry about that. I know you guys wish I did. But these are very special cups. And I had mentioned, I think, one time that I was looking at a cups and ball set. And I wanted one to be good. Because this is one of like the original tricks of magic. So basically the premise is that you know, you'd take a little red crochet ball, you'd stick it under, and then it would appear under another side. And you might have, you've probably seen during all your time, if you've ever watched a magic show, somebody pulls these out and plays with them, and it's kind of like a sleight of hand. So you're a talented magician if you know how to do these well. I'm not a talented magician. That's why I'm not doing them for you this morning. But I do collect magic. And the fact that my parents got this for me was so undeserved. I, I really, I didn't expect it. I was jumping up and down like a kid because I couldn't believe that my parents had found this for me and bought this for me. Because these are like hand-spun copper, you know, like so somebody actually took the time to make these. And to me, it meant a lot, you know. And I was thinking, I got so excited about this gift, and I hold it to such high esteem. And every time I look at it, I think of my parents, and I think of how good they've been to me. But I don't do the same thing with God. Whenever I open the Bible and I'm reading, you know, sometimes I let that get old. Don't let the gospel get old. When you get up here, as soon as I started saying, oh, this is the gospel, some of your eyes went, oh, I've heard this before. Of course you have. It's the most important pillar of our faith, that Christ forgave your sins, that you can have a home in heaven. That is so great. Don't ever let that get old. When you look at the Bible, when you read the Bible, when you read the gift that he gave to you, be renewed by it. Don't just skim over it. Take the time to read through his word. See his grace. So you've received the gospel. You've received his grace. And fi- or Next, you've received something meaningful. You see, this is a, a short little one. But he talks about vanity. He says... If this were not true, then you've believed in vain. And vain is talking about pointless, meaningless. If you'll turn to Ecclesiastes really quick. I guess I was wrong. I guess you are getting out on time. My bad. If you turn to Ecclesiastes, chapter 1. It's in the Old Testament, I think. The Bible says, The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem... This is Solomon, that guy who we're talking about, um, wisest man, but also the greatest fool. He says this, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What profit hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? He talks about how pointless life is, how pointless all the money and all of the... You see, he had all the cattle. He had all the horses. He had all the women. King Solomon had it all. He had all the money. He had everything. And what does he say about it all? It's all vanity. It's all a waste. What you have is not a waste. So don't treat it like a waste. Share it with others. Tell others about it because it's not in vain. 
Listen, if the Bible weren't true, if we found out the Bible wasn't true, it would be in vain that we're here. It wouldn't be pointless. If Christ wasn't risen from the dead, I shouldn't be up here. I'll, I'll be out doing any other thing that I want to be doing, right? But you see, Christ did rise from the dead, and he is alive today. It's important. Now, Solomon also says at the end of chapter 12, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. So he's saying, hey, there is a point to something. So you might as well keep God's commandments, follow him, fear God. Listen. Life without Christ is in vain. So live a life with Christ in it. Now finally, this one will be short too and we'll be out of here. You've received a command. The last place I'm going to have you go to is Mark chapter 16. This is a familiar scripture. If you notice, back in the first verse, it doesn't say the people of Corinth discovered the gospel. It doesn't say they invented the gospel. It says that the people of Corinth, of the church of Corinth, received it. If you are saved today, it is because somebody shared the gospel with you, is it not? And you received it. There's always a giver of the gospel, whether somebody hands you a track, leaves you a Bible. You're able to know the gospel because at some point somebody shared it with you. So, in Mark verse 16, it says this, in verse 15. And he said unto them, this is Christ, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Before Christ left this earth to go prepare a place for you and for me, he said something very important. He said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. He didn't say, go ye to your next church service and preach the gospel. He said, go ye into all the world. So does that mean the workplace? Yes. Does that mean in your home with your families? Yes. Does that mean with your friends when you're out and about? Yes. Does that mean that random person at Target? Yes. We're to share the gospel with every creature. Have you shared the gospel? Have you shared this gift? Because listen, if I knew they were handing these out for free, I'd be telling each and every one of you to get one. Christ has given you the gift already. He has already died for you. The gift is already there waiting to be unwrapped, waiting to be taken. But are you sharing the gospel that he commanded you to do? Now, perhaps you haven't been living that life, and you need to. Maybe you need to get saved. And right now we're going to have a time of invitation. Uh, The piano is going to be playing in just a moment. But right now, with our heads bowed and eyes closed, I'd like to ask you a couple questions. If you say, Brother Marcus, without a shadow of a doubt, 100%, I know that I know that I know nothing could convince me otherwise that if I died today, my sins are forgiven and I would be on my way to heaven. Now, this is just between you and me. I just want to pray for you. If this is you and you say, I know for a fact that I'm on my way to heaven, nobody's looking around. If that's you, would you raise your hand for me? You say, I know that I'm on my way to heaven, if that's you. 
All right, I see those hands. If you put those hands down. Now, maybe you say, Marcus, I'm not sure that I'm saved. And if I died today, I'm not sure if I would go to heaven or hell. If that's you, would you raise your hand that I can see? Remember, it's just between you and me. I just want to pray for you. All right, I see that hand. You can put that hand down. Now, maybe you're not ready to make a decision. But maybe that's something that you need to get taken care of and you need to talk to somebody about. Maybe you need to be better about sharing the gospel. If that's you and you know that's you, I'd like to use this opportunity to have an invitation so that you can come forward and talk to God about it. Nobody's looking around, but as the piano begins to play, if there's somebody that you need to share the gospel with that you know that you've been lacking on, if that is you, would you come forward